Sunny 16 presents. Welcome to episode 24 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome, welcome. This is episode 24. 24 is a big one. 24, what does it mean to you? What does that number mean to you? It means that if you take 12 episodes and you double them, you get 24. Well said. (laughs) (laughs) I I love when you agree with my insanity. It makes me feel so much better as a person. Excellent. This is a special episode. It really is. Should we do a little preview of what we're going to do in the back half of the show? Sure. Okay. We're going to speed through the front half of the show. we got a few topics to cover. In the back half of the show, we have a special treat. It's amazing. An interview that has been long in the works with Kai Wong. Now, you guys know Kai. He was the face and personality of Digital Rev for 10 years. He's an incredibly erudite and hilarious camera reviewer. For the past five years, he's had his own channel, Kai W, on YouTube. And in addition, he has a new book out called Old School Photography, which we're going to talk about. So an interview with the immortal Kai Wong. It's very exciting. Anyone who's ever been on YouTube looking for camera information, you've come across Kai Wong. Very talented. Very exciting. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Before we get there, though, we have a bulging mailbag. Oh, my goodness. I can only assume this is because I have said so many cockamamie things between (laughs) my slavish devotion to depth of field preview, my strong opinions about soft releases, and God knows what else, but people are writing in. So let's jump into it, okay? Shall we? Go for it. Yep. Contest winner Malcolm Myers said in his email, he said, I am also a fan of Olympus small cameras. He said, the 35RC, he agrees, is the perfect introduction to rangefinder photography. He has the Pin EE, a focus-free half-frame camera, which is fun to use, only cost him 10 pounds. Now, he also talks about the Mu1 and the Mu2. Now, these, I guess, were the stylus epic over here. Am I right about that? Yep, yep. He says they're great. We just skipped that. I've never owned one. Have you ever used one of those yeah, babies? Yeah, totally. I I have a few of them. Oh. I used to use them a lot. So when I would go, uh, probably it was the time we were both at Universal, and I would go to the Montreal Comedy Festival, that was my camera. I would bring that with me, oh. put it in my pocket. I would shoot all those snaps of parties and fun there. And I loved them. But my experience has been they last a certain amount of time, and then it's over. Uh, like you're you're op- you're sliding open that thing, and some people's last forever. But mine, the sliding open, sliding open six thousand times, took a toll, and two of the three have died since. Interesting. I also am given to understand that the cost of these cameras has skyrocketed in recent skyrocketed. years. Skyrocketed. It's insane. Like this is one so of those much. become like a yeah, it's become a cult thing, like the Yashica T4 that everybody wants yeah, to own. Totally, totally huge. Yes, but it's anyway, they are worth checking out, and uh, I'd like to hear from more people about those. That sounds those oh, are interesting, yeah. and I've never used them. He also he says not so much a fan of the OM10, but is not bad for ten pounds with a couple of <laughs> lenses, a bag, and a winder. What yard sales are you going? to Malcolm. I, I want to go. Yeah. And finally, he said the Trip 35, what's not to like? The perfect holiday snapshot camera and a great way to learn scale focusing. That's true. If you're nervous about the idea of scale focusing, buy one of these and you'll soon be a pro. That is a good tip. Yeah. Good tip. Trip 35s are great. Nick Lyle sent us a masterful email, which he once again urged us not to read on the podcast, but I am going to read a couple of small excerpts regarding depth of field preview. I find that depth of field preview is only useful for evaluating subtle changes at wide apertures. The viewfinder gets too dark when you stop right down to make sense of exactly where blur overcomes sharpness. Uh, This is a good point, actually. (laughs) Now that I think of it, like, yes, you can sort of in in a more gross way assess your depth of field but yeah it does get dark enough that at a certain point you may not be able to tell that's a very good Mm -hmm. point yeah Yeah. 
He also said regarding lenses with the double ring aperture stop down system, which is what I found on my 15 millimeter F4 macro Takamar. This was used as a manual method of achieving the same thing that later automatic lenses did for you. Simply pick the shooting aperture in advance, set it on the click stop ring, then turn the free turning ring to wide open, focus, then turn it the other way until it stops to shoot. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I didn't quite understand it, but a couple of people, including Nick, explained it to me. So thank you, Nick. He also said he finds equally compelling reasons for both macro and telephoto. I had said, and I think you echoed this, yeah. that we thought macros were in general more interesting. But he said they each have equally compelling uses and even overlap in the long macro lenses that you guys have been missing out on because you have not ventured beyond the 90 millimeter frontier. <laughs> this is true. He also mentions catadioptric lenses, mirror lenses. Have you ever used one of those? Those I like long, long yeah, telephotos? Yeah, no, I've seen them. I've never used them. Wow. I was always fascinated by these as a kid because, yeah. of course, these are short lenses, sometimes as short as like four to six inches long, that are 1,000 millimeter, 1,200 yeah. millimeter. Yeah. Boy, oh, God, that, that might be something to rent. That could be fun. Uh, he says, since I like photographing birds as much as bees, I also use long telephoto lenses. The longer, the better. A 400 millimeter Canon FD is his most used long lens. So the 500 millimeter mirror lens is taking its place. Here's what he said about the 135 and why it gets no love. Did you read this? Very interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. He said, I believe the once popular 135 millimeter lenses have fallen out of favor because zooms took over. Then people came to disrespect them because they are common and cheap. And finally, because they are only useful outdoors. I can recommend certain 135 millimeter lenses as standouts. He says he usually prefers the smaller F3.5 models to the F2.8s. He particularly likes the OM Zuiko, the MD Rocor, and the Pentax SMCM. These are all 135 I, ha I have that lens. I recently got that lens that's so interesting which one which one the, of those the uh the smc the uh oh the pentax, pentax. yeah a fashion photographer used it oh no kidding okay yeah. he also said i want to stress how special the pentax 105 millimeter f 2.8 super tacomar is when we put our call out for great m42s this was the lens people mentioned more than any. He said its rendering is quite distinct from the Nikkor 105 2.5, and it's much smaller as well as mechanically superior. Oh, Very wow. interesting. He also suggested that if you don't need both eyes open to see your surroundings, I believe you should shut the extra eye in order to increase cerebral bandwidth for yes. the viewfinder eye. Jeff, he says, you could try wearing a pirate patch. <laughs> That's a great idea. Nobody got on board with my keep the other eye open. You, as you I dream see. of cameras, pirate patch. That is some merch. I think that is, I mean, come on. Yeah, Keith, get on it. That's a really good point. And finally, he put a little PS and he said, on the subject of macro lenses, there's nothing else quite like the Pentax 100 millimeter F4 macro. Never hmm. seen it, but I'm going to look into this 105. Yeah. Tom North and Scold, another great episode. Again, I'm skipping the part where people praise us because we're not accustomed to praise, okay? Um, <laughs> depth of field preview. He says, it is indispensable. Oh, no. But not no, in the doesn't. way you might think. Oh, okay. He says, I use it in two ways. First, if I'm photographing something fairly close up, I use depth of field preview to determine which f-stop renders the background as I wish. That is what I do. I don't like completely mushed out backgrounds. He hmm. also says, when shooting street... He uses depth of field preview to get a feel for the range of depth of field he has to work with. Smarty. Hmm. Okay. Smarty. Whatever. Okay. He also says, could not agree more about the Olympus OM-1. Loves it. He said he also recommends the OM-2 or 2N. He said it feels just like the OM-1, only it's automatic. That's One thing I love about the OM-2N is the location of the exposure compensation dial. It's where the shutter speed is on most cameras. Very interesting. Yeah, OM2 is worth looking into. I don't love how it looks as much as the OM1, but uh, right, yeah. right. He says he keeps his left eye open in a couple of situations. If he's shooting sports, he does it so he has a feel from what's coming from the left. How about that? <laughs> anyway, okay, on we go. Rolf Tessum. Oh, oh my boy. god. Oh my gosh. Yep. He does photo he does photo shoots for his emails. I love it. Yes. 
Unbelievable. So he chimed in on a couple of things. He also gave me meticulous and detailed instructions on how to use the dual aperture rings on the Takamar. Depth of field preview, used exactly once in 50 years to check what the button did. Thank Who cares? You. Thank you, And Rolf. ultimately, what are you going to do about it anyway? <laughs> Thank you, Rolf. Thank you. Perfect. Exactly. I love it. I love it. <laughs> he said, the thing about 135s, he said that 135 was inevitably slow, usually F3.5. And as time went on and the SLR became the primary photojournalism tool, photographers realized the 135 was a bad compromise. Too long for portraits, not long enough for sports. Hmm. Makes a lot of sense. It does. Left eye closed, Rolf Tessum says. <laughs> Always. Always. On we go. Mike Crawford. We had a passing reference in a recent episode to 3D printed cameras. Mike Crawford wrote an article on the subject. Oh, my goodness. For Amateur Photographer Magazine, the March 27th issue of 2021. And he sent us a copy. It's a great article. So, guys, go to your back issues of Amateur Photographer. Read Mike Crawford's article okay the legendary mark o'brien chimed in on episode 23 he said so glad to see the olympus love as well as the nikon fm3a love my favorite nikon in my possession how about you gabe is it your favorite i gotta tell you it is (laughs) yeah (laughs) yep Uh, the um interesting though also people always mention the f3 love Oh, they really do. I've been yeah. I've been getting a lot of messages about the F3 that they love the FM3A, but there's something about the F3. Very interesting. Mm. I have to check it out. I don't love out. how it looks. I don't love the typography. Yeah, you <laughs> I hear there's one coming out with a cat and a dog, so you'll have to decide which one you're getting. One of these days we're going to talk about the Nikon F5 that has the old style Nikon logo on it. They went back to the logo from the okay. Nikon S here. Okay, we'll skip that for now. It's getting crazy. Next up, Jacob Cook said, in regards to keeping both eyes open, I did archery for seven years, and we were always taught to keep both eyes open when aiming rather than just one. I found this really useful for preventing eye strain. When I started photography, I would get really bad eye strain, and after I started keeping my other eye open too in the same way I did for archery, it helped a lot. Gabe, did you know I was a champion archer? I did not know that. Did you know that I was doing archery at summer camp at the same time I was learning about photography and that I won I a lot of archery medals? Oh my did you know goodness. that when I worked with Gina Davis on a little show called Will and Grace, she and I bonded <laughs> over being champion archers because she okay. was an alternate on the Olympic archery team? Okay, that I actually believe. I do believe you would bond <laughs> with Gina Davis because you are the only person at her eye level. Let's just talk Definitely about that. Definitely true. Yes. I absolutely am. I really believe I may be conflating two ideas that I was taught at the same time. Right. I was absolutely taught keep the other eye open when wielding a bow. And I must have thought this is equally true for a camera. Jacob, you have cracked a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> James McNellis wrote, congratulations on the one year anniversary. Thanks, man. He said, listening to the most recent episode, I was surprised to hear you both prefer macro. Normally, I would much rather shoot telephoto than macro, and I'm curious to know more. Sometimes I'll turn to macro photography if I want to finish the last few flames on a roll, and the results are often disappointing. Shooting macro, making small adjustments in composition and focus can be tedious, frustrating, and exhausting. Is there something I'm missing here, or is this another fight me scenario? (laughs) It's always a fight me scenario. I love that. He said, on the other hand, telephoto and super telephoto lenses are challenging in a way that is exciting for me in my style of shooting. He shoots the Canon FD 500 millimeter reflex mirror lens. How about that? He says it has a fixed aperture at F8. So that can be a limitation for depth of field and exposure, but a mirror lens will cause the out of focus highlights to have that circular donut shape. Coolio! I need to see this. Interesting. He also sent us some pictures of his gear. Again, these guys take these beautiful pictures of their cameras. Almost through it, gang. James Thorpe wrote, yes to soft releases, not the $50 ones, the $5 knockoffs from Complete Minty Mint Best Most Trusted Seller (laughs) on eBay. (laughs) Right. He loves them. He agreed with Gabe about downtown camera. He said, whenever I'm working in Toronto, Claudia and her staff always take great care of me. 
They are so great. I'm really excited. And they've listened to the podcast. So I'm very happy about that. But yes, Downtown Camera is the place in Toronto. It's fantastic. He also said, I hope while you were up north, you found time to queue patiently for some fresh poutine served in a politely apologetic manner. <laughs> Do you have any poutine while you were Delicious. up there? Delicious. Yeah. I actually did. Jeff, adept the field preview button. I just got chills. I can still recall the first and last time I ever used it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And he tells a story about a professor of his. Very, very funny. James, you're hilarious. Really, really funny. Anyway, so there you go. I love that. And finally, this did not go to our email address, I dream no? of cameras at gmail.com, but it did go to our Instagram, and it comes from the great Trev Lee. Oh, yes. And so I just want to read it. This is amazing. <laughs> Trev messaged us to say the following. First of all, Okay, as you recall, one of our prizes was a $50 gift card in the Limerick competition. It went to David Van Sluice. He said, I sent out the gift card, and the winner is going to be extra surprised because I made a mistake and made it 150 <laughs> instead of 50 Lucky David. Amazing. How about that? How happy is David? This is a lesson to you people. Always enter our contests. You might win more. Yeah. Yes. He said, I pretty much shoot exclusively with an SLR and do actually use the depth of field preview often, especially when I'm closer to a subject. Interesting. He also said, though, lest I get a swelled head, again, as an SLR shooter, I have never once left my left eye open. In fact, I was taught the opposite way. I thought you're supposed to leave your left eye open with certain rangefinders, but never an SLR. My God, it's it's a thicket. Yeah. That closes the mailbag, Gabe. Yes. I got to say, a blockbuster episode yielded a blockbuster mailbag. Lots of messages. We love hearing from you. Again, the email address, idreamofcameras at gmail.com. So how many people do you think said that they keep their eyes open? Just, you know, at the top of your head. What do you think? I I think it's a number very close to zero. I think you're right. (laughs) Uh you were so passionate when you were talking about how you were taught and this is the right way and on and on and no one knows. And I got to tell you, the depth of field preview, I'm t- it's the same thing. I I tried it on the camera and was like, what's oh. this button? Uh, That's all. I, I just said, what's uh, this button? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yes. It, for those of you scoring at home, the issues that I was so intensely passionate about, the only one that got any sort of validation was cheap soft releases. Absolutely. Nobody believes in depth of field preview and no. nobody believes in keeping the other eye open. I stand corrected. Look at that. You see how evolved I am? Yeah. I think cheap soft releases are a good thing. I think yeah, that no that makes sense. I think the uh, $395 sterling silver ones, you know, not my thing. That's right. <laughs> Another thing we want to talk about since we're bringing you all up to date, our friend Ethan Moses as you may recall, okay, this is, he is the homebrew camera guru. He Amazing. built the Mongoose, which changed my life, the Camera Dactyl, the Bronchopan. His latest mad scientist invention is a 20 by 24 instant camera. Think about In, that. Yes. Inspired by the Polaroid 20 by 24, and there's only about a dozen of those in existence. He designed his own 20 by 24 camera. It is massive. And you pour the chemicals into the back of it and he develops the photograph before your eyes. He's done both color and black and white. He took this camera to New York recently, set up in a studio. The pictures look amazing. I can only imagine what they look like in person. And we're well, going to put links up. We're going to put links yes, up so we you will. can see this. It's absolutely incredible, mind-boggling. It's brilliant. Yeah. It, yeah. So emboldened by this, he is doing a Kickstarter to bring the show to LA. He's going to bring this camera to LA get set up in a studio, do a day of portrait sessions, maybe some workshops, go to cameradactyl.com, follow the link to Ethan's Kickstarter, get in on this. We are probably, I don't even want to say probably, we are certainly going to support this project and we're going to be there. Okay, so check in with this man. He is a freak of nature that he comes up with these brilliant ideas and then actually executes them. So check it out. You have to think about this, guys. So 20 by 24 camera where he's pouring chemicals into this holder with the film. It's and it comes to life in a way that you're just going, it's not like, oh, it's sort of good. The quality's okay. It's not that thing. It is unbelievably clear and it is 
they're unbelievable pictures. It's just it's just the fact that someone has taken the time to put all this together and use their brain power to sort of invent something that is just incredible. Yeah. So we'll probably be doing, I don't know, a live remote from one of these shoots, an interview with Ethan about 3D cameras and camera design. I don't know what, but come, we are 100% on board with this. Yes. A couple of more short things before we dive into the Kai interview. Okay. I hope you were all watching the Beatles Get Back, the Peter Jackson reconstitution of the footage from Let It Be that is playing on Disney+. Plus. Linda McCartney, very gifted photographer. She has a Nikon F that she is wielding through <laughs> some of the early hours of this documentary. Okay, I posted this on the I Dream of Cameras Instagram. She holds this thing very weird. She holds it like like she has flippers. I I don't I don't I don't understand. <laughs> you have to hold it like like I I seriously challenge everyone to watch first of all watch the movie. It's brilliant. Yes. But actually I want you to take your camera. It doesn't have to be a Nikon. It can be right. anything you want. And I want you to hold it like Linda holds it. Hold it like Linda. Send us a picture of you holding it. Maybe it's a superior way of doing it. I, yeah, I don't, don't know. know. I've, I've been so wrong today that, <laughs> that it's entirely possible yeah. that Linda McCartney knows something we don't. I can't even describe this grip to you. Go to the movie and look at the I Dream of Cameras post I did. Somebody explain this to me. Somebody said it might be because she's left-handed or left-eyed. No, 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 no. Come on. It's just something. I don't get it. It's really bizarre. It's really bizarre. One other thing before we get to the Kai of it all. In our comprehensive and meticulous survey of Olympus Cameras last episode, I neglected the rarest and most desirable Olympus I own. How can this be? Oh, a beauty. Look, Look at, at that thing, Olympus Pen W. It is a beauty. Now, the Olympus Pen W, okay, this is part of the initial run of Olympus Pen cameras, okay? It has no meter. It is set aperture and shutter speed manually. But it differs from the other early Olympus pens in two principal respects. It has a 25 millimeter f2.8 lens. Not so fast, but very wide, which means your scale focus is even more forgiving than usual. It also is the only one of these early cameras that comes in black paint. Wow. Not only is it black paint, it's terrible black paint. <laughs> and one of the reasons these pen Ws are so desirable is if you find one, as I did after a lot of trying, where the paint is not bubbling, chipping, and falling off, you are a lucky man indeed. Wow. You will see repainted ones, but they don't look as good. I have a beautiful one that I got from a seller in Japan. It was not cheap, baby. But this camera is wonderful. The lens is amazing. And this was the camera that the great Japanese photographer, Daido Moriyama, used for one of the great photo books of the modern age, NY71. If none of those words mean anything to you, just do a search for Daido Moriyama, NY71. Look at the stuff he gets out of this camera. This is yet another proof of concept that half a cookie (laughs) can be as good. Two uh, half cookies. We need to do a trade-off where I'm shooting the half cookie and you're shooting a whole cookie and we see what yes. happens. Yeah. Yes. Like I it. mean, yes, I challenge you. Okay. Gabe, any other stuff before we dive into the Kai? Yes. So a couple things. My dear old friend, Stephanie Cuny Kistner, who listens to our show, I've known her forever. She went out and found a mint condition Canon AE-1 for her daughter, Chloe. Oh, and is giving it to her as a present. And I'm so excited because Chloe wants to get into film photography, which is very, very, very exciting. That is great. So I love that. I love when people go out there and they go, yeah, I'm going to give this a try. See what happens. So that's wonderful. Stephanie, very excited for you. Great. What else, man? I did my one camera, one lens challenge, yes, which, uh, I which, saw I, this. which I posted about. You uh, left the house with only one camera. Let me tell you something. Was I it almost, in a bag? I Was it in it, a bag? It was in a bag, but I almost didn't do it. 
I almost didn't do it, and I and I wrote to you like as a weird thing. I wrote to you and said, "I'm gonna do it," thinking you should say, "Oh, you know, just bring another camera in case." And you oh. didn't. You said, "Be strong." You literally just gave me that strong icon. That I did. Muscle. I did the emoji of the, <laughs> of did, the strong you arm. Did the strong arm emoji, and I left my house, <laughs> and I went to my friend Scotty Thompson, who I love. And we photoed. I said, Scotty, I'm so nervous. I have one camera and one lens and three rolls of film. And wow. uh, she goes, be strong. You can do it. And we, <laughs> we, we shot and we got some amazing, amazing shots. You sure shots. did. You know, cause Look at Gabe's Instagram, Gabe Sachs on Instagram. So more are coming. But, and and, and um, uh, Kayla Yule also, we went to lunch and I, I had one roll and shot it. And then... You know, the first person I ever shot it with was my friend Claire Hinckley. Yeah. And and the thing is, I used that, and then I used the Leica Flex, and then I used another camera, and then I used another camera, and now I realize I just needed to use one camera, and I will, it'll just be a better experience, so... How, thank you all I, for cooperating. I, I can't even... I'm getting emotional hearing yeah, you talk about like this. It's crazy. I also think it's a, it's a measure of just how beautifully you jibe with this machine. Oh, I, I think that's it. part of what's happening here is that you're having a love affair with the FM3A. Yeah. And I think that that is why you just want to shoot it as much as you can. That's great. And and I, I got to tell you that I got like the biggest compliment uh, or piece of wisdom I got was from Russ Alsobrook. And Russ shot Freaks and Geeks. He's a DP, unbelievable DP. And he said to me, he goes, just simplicity and let your eye compose and just do it. You know, it's, you know, Great. and it's, it was so helpful because I'm just always worried about gear and this camera is so easy to use for me. It's just, I'm just focusing on what I'm shooting. I'm just, that's all I'm doing. I'm just sort of composing and then everything else, I just have to focus. That is great. So yeah, the machine kind of falls away, which is yes. what we all talk about. That's what yeah. you want. That's what yeah. people say they love about the Leica M3 is that the machine is not an impediment between your eye and your subject. That is exactly. fantastic. Exactly. Love it. And that, in a way, is the perfect entree perfect. to what we're going to do now. Next up, you will hear we don't have transitional music. I mean, unless you want to make some right now, Gabe. Ba, ba, ba. Um, I think we will uh, <laughs> we'll have some kind of transitional music. It'll be some humming. Okay, next up, stay tuned. Here's our interview with the great Kai Wong. All right, at this point, we welcome to our podcast, Kai Wong, YouTuber, whose channel is Kai W. But more importantly, and for the purposes of our podcast, author of, look what I did, Kai, I actually paid real money. <laughs> Smooth. Oh, yeah. Very good. This <laughs> no. Is an, oh, yes. It's an actual object. He's the author of Old School Photography, published by Chronicle Books, an excellent book. It's so good. We should all get, mm. which we're going to talk about in the course of our time together. Welcome, Kai. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Really. I mean, this is probably like the third time I've done a podcast, so I'm still getting used oh. to it. I'm still getting used to just talking to people. <laughs> yeah, I understand. So, um, well, yes, we this, is be, this is going to be far and away your best experience. So just <laughs> yes. prepare yourself for a lifetime of disappointment exactly. after this. Okay. Right. This is All it. Right. Oh. All right. Good. Anticlimax. Here is okay. my first question apropos of that. Okay. And this is most important. And I know you probably mm. get asked this a lot, but... Who are your primary comedic influences? And if it shows Gabe and I worked on, that is okay. <laughs> wow. You know, I like um, I like people who are a bit deadpan. I like Richard Ayuadi. Uh, oh, I do too. Great. That's a great That's pick. a great one. Yeah, he's fantastic. People always used to compare me to Jeremy Clarkson. And, then, and in the early days when we did Digital <laughs> Rev, we used to, I wouldn't say he's a comedian. He, he, he just um, says naughty things. And, right. Um, you know, it's kind of like schoolboy humor. It's like, oh, oh, did I say that? Oh, I'm going to get away with saying that. Um, yeah, Richard Ayuadi. I mean, I, I used to watch, I remember back in the days, I used to watch Richard Pryor. Oh, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Did you grow up on British TV? What, what, what were the things you watched when you were a kid? I mean, I watched watched things like Monty Python and um, Faulty Towers, but then I, I watched American stuff, um, you know, Richard Pryor, and <laughs> yeah. I grew up with a lot of American movies like um, oh, Police Academy. God. Oh, yes. That was Fantastic. So... But when I go back to watching that now, I, I kind of think, wow, how did they get away with saying that? That's, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a little bit... Yeah. That's, 
Yeah. Yeah, you're talking, that's the story of contemporary comedy right now is how did they get away with saying that? You go back and you look at things like <laughs> Blazing Saddles and you cannot believe that a movie like that actually got made. Exactly. So yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Gene Wilder. Fantastic. Oh, yes. The best. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah. So this week, I noticed, marks five years of your YouTube channel, your solo YouTube channel. How is it going? Wow. How are you celebrating I am celebrating by um, doing. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna um, paint the town red. I'm gonna. Oh, no, I'm, I'm not gonna do anything because I. I didn't even know it was five years. It's. Thank you for telling me that. Uh, <laughs> it's made me realise how little I've been doing over these last five years. Um, I mean, the first year was great. The first two years was fantastic. I, I thought, yes, I've got this brand new channel. I'm gonna do something to to make a mark. And then I. And then I had kids, and then I've just been. Yeah, like wiping up poop and sure. vomit right. and yeah. stuff like that. So you know, that's that's the last couple of years is just um, um, the the cleaner. Right, got it. Yeah, in my house. What was the genesis of the book? What made you want to write this book? Money. No, <laughs> yeah, um, see, that's cr- no. Come on, go with that. Because we do nothing for money. Just so you know, we are just uh, artists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I I don't even know how much I'm getting paid for this. I, I probably it, it could be nothing. Um, this this very nice man from LA came to me uh, from Chronicle um, Chroma, and um, he he asked me, "Would you like to write a book?" Um, in fact, it took him three times to ask ask me. Um, it's pretty much like it probably took you uh, quite a while to, <laughs> to try get and get me on, on this show. podcast. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And he, he he said, I'm going to be in London. Uh, and then I, I said, oh, cool. And then um, I, I totally forgot about it. And then um, that, that passed. And then it took another time. And he said, oh, I'm going to be in London. And let's talk about writing a book. So I said, OK. I thought, who is this guy? You know, this is a bit strange. I, I'm always a bit um, uh, uh, kind of wary of people when they say, oh, well, let's, let's meet up. Let's talk, talk about writing a book. And I think, what are you after? Right. Exactly, um, but I thought, what, what, what? You know, what's the worst that could happen? So I met him uh, in a bar. Um, nobody around. Is is totally dark. And, uh, <laughs> this guy, this guy came along, and I thought, okay, okay, he looks, he looks normal. And he asked, he said, let's let's write a book together. And, I, and you know, there's only two answers, and I couldn't think of any any, any excuses. So I just went along with it, and I thought, yeah. okay. Let's do this. And it was kind of just the start of um, COVID, I remember. Right, yeah. So I kind of got to the point where I thought, you know, it's things are, things are going a bit crappy. Uh, you know, it's going to be things, are, you know, it's going to be locked down oh, soon. Yeah. And then why not? Yeah. Give it a try. I don't, I don't think of myself as a writer. Um, I hated writing. Still hate writing. Yeah, we do too. Gabe, you oh like boy. writing? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we have to do it. Yes. And then get tortured in the process. No, but you're both very good at it. You've got, you've got this impressive resume. You've been very lucky. Thank you. But, <laughs> but we feel exactly the same way about writing you do. It's unhealthy. Yeah. It's not mm. normal. It's punishing. It's excruciating. But I got to tell you, you wrote a great book. It I'm, really and, is great. Uh, thank you. I, well, I want to ask a follow-up question in a minute, but before, I just want to tell people a little bit about what this is. You chose to spotlight film photography, and I would say, though it, I would say it's aimed at the beginning film photographer, it's very sophisticated, mm. it's very funny, and I found that even as someone who has been taking pictures for most of my life, there was a lot in mm. here to take from it. And one thing I particularly enjoyed is I would say, just roughly speaking, the first half of the book, I think is more technically oriented. It's about gear. It's mm. about process. It's about the exposure triangle. But the back half is about inspiration. And I think that's one of the things I particularly responded to in this was the sort of creative prompts that you have in the book and the encouragement that you give people to get out and shoot, to try different modes of shooting, to to unblock themselves. I mean, was that something that went into kind of when you were thinking about the initial outline for that? Was that the kind of book you set out to do or did it just grow that way? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I, when I started learning uh, photography when I was back in college, I, I, I was trying to look for books where I could learn how to take photos with a camera because I was, I've got all these knobs to fiddle okay. and what, what do I do with them? And they're all very technical, all very dry. And, you know, as, as you get a bit more experience with taking photos, you realise, actually, it's not all that technical. It's, there's a lot of it which is more inspirational and finding some kind of that creative spark rather than just, okay, I, I need to know about the rule of thirds and 
really boring, dry things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted half of it to be, okay, let's get this out of the way. And now, let's just get on with it. And and you, you don't have to read it all at the same time. It's not like, okay, you need to know this, that, right. and and that as well to, to kind of unlock your uh, photography uh, skills. But it makes it accessible, which I think is what's great about it. And I think that there's so many people you talk about film photography, it's like, you know, they're so focused on, like, you can still get film, and you can, like, it's always questions like, and so what does this button do? And it's, but I think it the easier and the funnier, it just makes them motivated to go shoot, which is great. Yeah, I I, I wished it was a bit more, a bit funny and a bit more offensive, but, um, <laughs> you know. Don't we all wish everything That's book was two, like that? That's book two, man. Yeah, big two. That's the <laughs> exactly. sophomore book. Yeah. Look, this is your it's... Star Wars, okay? Uh, yes. The second book will be your Empire Strikes Back, babe. It's going to happen. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I, I'm thinking it's more like the first pancake. <laughs> When there you go. It never works out that well. It's it's kind of like, oh yeah, I, I uh, you know, I definitely want pancakes, but the second one, bang, yeah. hopefully. Uh, right. Why did you choose to focus on film photography with this first book? You know, I I'm, I appreciate that film is still here, and it's not only just here. It's it's you know, it's very much alive. These film comedies are uh, bringing back film, which was. Yeah previously killed off yeah and it's being um appreciated with a new generation of photographers and i think that's really cool it's not just seen as this kind of old fuddy-duddy thing for for people who just won't let go of something that should have died off a long time yeah. ago there's some there's something fantastic about film and i think we should all enjoy enjoy film before yeah, yeah. it dies properly we have a uh, a theme that is sort of emerged in the course. We've been doing our podcast for one year, so we are mm. aspiring to <laughs> have the deep bench of material, <laughs> all right, that you have. We're comparative beginners in the scheme of things. But one thing that has emerged is, I think one of the things that made us want to do this podcast to begin with is, there seems to be a certain cynicism about acquiring new gear. Like, what we were always mm. told in art school was, it doesn't matter, you could take an amazing picture with a Holga, or you could take an amazing picture with a $12,000, you know, Leica SL2, okay? It doesn't matter. Our opinion is, it actually matters. That mm. different gear unlocks different parts of you as an artist. And one of the things that you say in here, which I really appreciated, is that one of the ways to unblock is try a different machine. And so I just wanted to sort of get your take on the ways in which different cameras maybe speak to you in different ways and cause you to shoot differently or see the world differently. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bit of a cliche when people say, oh, gear doesn't matter. Um, and making it sound as if like, okay, you just you just take photos <laughs> with uh, whatever, hey, but yeah. pin up, pinhole camera. No, it, it does matter. But also what's wrong with enjoying uh, hoarding a whole load of gear that you probably don't really need but um you fancy it it's your money you go buy it and that can that can make you feel like oh yeah i want to do something good with this karen that i've just spent my savings on yeah um yeah did you hear that jeff i know i know I he know. just said it's okay <laughs> for me to have my problems yes yes <laughs> i do appreciate i will tell you the, there are a hundred tips in this book or a hundred chapters in this book or chaplets mm. Chaplets. Chaplets. Yes. I think I made oh, that I love up. That. I love that word. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll go word. with that. <laughs> My favorite was number 94, which I thought was really interesting. It was buy flight tickets, not gear. <laughs> I got to say, I like that one. You know, this saying has been ascribed to a lot of different people. If travel were free, you'd never see me again. Yeah. To me, photography is a spur to adventure and to getting out there and seeing things and doing things. It's a pretext in a lot of ways for engaging with the world and engaging with people. Is it yeah. that for you as well? Totally. It's, it's about experiences. It's about capturing experiences that you've had rather than just... Okay, that's technically a great photo. Right. You can take a technically great photo inside your house, um, which is kind of a funny thing to say about buying plane tickets at this kind of time yeah. because you can't really go anywhere. Right. Um, uh, I, I don't, I don't know what it's like over there, but it's it's pretty much there's, there's you can't do anything in there. Yeah. So yeah, um, 
yeah I, I look forward to the day where we can we can travel to places that we really really want to go to yeah I would imagine a lot of cameras pass through your hands in the course of your job, reviewing them, talking mm. about them, and so forth. Do you own a lot of cameras? I don't. I, I think it's like you you get numb to it. Mm-hmm. At first, it's like, oh, look at this this gear. But it, it's like if you watch too much porn, <laughs> you just nothing, nothing, kind of turns you on yeah it's, it, it's Ty, a, it's i gotta like, say oh. that analogy came to you just a little too easily i mean <laughs> i know i know <laughs> i've never watched porn no, but if you had <laughs> you if know? you had right if you had exactly, exactly. hypothetically yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i you know just uh, just from seeing other people right watch, i don't watch i don't watch other people watching <laughs> right, porn. either yeah right <laughs> heard of what's happened so, um, that's even weirder <laughs> But yeah, what was I saying? Are you, yeah, okay, I, I, sorry. Yeah, a lot of cameras pass through, and you don't own very many of them now. Yeah, because at first it's like, ooh, oh, that's cool. Oh, I want that. I, I'm, I'm going to buy that. I'm going to buy that. And then you just think, mm, well, I'm just going to buy stuff that I really, really like. Right. Okay, and what are yeah. the ones that you have hung on to? The cameras, specifically, I'm thinking specifically film cameras. I, I, I think I have one in particular in mind that you've talked about in the past, but I'm curious about the film cameras that you've clung to that particularly suit you and your shooting style. So I've got a Ricoh GR. I've got Nikon F. Got the Leica M5. Yes. <gasps> I wish I would yeah, that big ugly thing i just traded um, i just traded for it i just traded yeah. trev lee yes exactly and and mine is engraved with a previous owner's name is a, a german guy it's got good bollinger on it <laughs> wow yeah i try to tell people it's a special edi- edition <laughs> like a good bollinger edition um, yep but they're fantastic they're, they're built like yeah. tanks uh i wish i'd kept the m2 m3 also, I got a Canon EOS One V. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, and I got a Pentax Six Seven. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so that's one. That's one that we ride hard for on this. Show. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I read in this book, I believe, that your first film camera was a Pentax MZM. Yes. What I've is still that? Got that. Oh, awesome. What is? Th- oh, you still have it? I love so, knowing. Yeah, that. I what still is got. That? I, I don't know well, that camera. Well, my my sister bought it for me for a Christmas present, so I kind of feel bad if I threw it in the bin or yeah. something or recycled it. Right. Um, so I've kept it. No, it's 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 fantastic. It's it's you probably haven't heard of it because it doesn't. It's that it's pretty ugly. <laughs> it doesn't do much. <laughs> It'll never be remembered for anything. But it, it's it's got it's got a shutter speed dial. You can control the aperture. It switches on and you focus manually, and that's it. And yeah. That, that's that's really when when I first got it, it was it was like wow I've got this camera and you can adjust these things and it does stuff it controls <laughs> things you can control your photo and then um, yeah so many good memories of it of just going going up hills and and going through muddy fields yeah um, and it was all about just just getting nice photos it wasn't about okay I need. I need to buy another camera. I need to get uh, a new lens. It was just, okay, I've got this. Now I'm going to go out and take pictures. <laughs> Perfect. Now, one thing that you do a great deal of, it seems, that Gabe and I do not, is street photography. Is that still part of what you do, even understanding the current circumstances? Do you still do a lot of street photography? Less, much less. Hong Kong was great for street photography because, um, you know, everything happens on the street and there's so many people there crammed in, into such a tiny right. space london everybody wants to be inside because the, the weather's always so miserable yeah um and I, I think people over here are, are less happy for their photo to be taken yeah i experienced than, that yeah 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 i was over in london i went to uh, marion park which is in woolwich because that is where mm. blow up was filmed and so I thought, I'll oh, go, yes. yeah, so I'll go to Marion Park yeah. and I'll sort of re-experience what David Hemmings did. And I, I was taking pictures around the tennis courts and a guy got very mad at me. <laughs> oh, he like really? came over and he got really upset and he said, delete that. And I said, well, I can't, man, because it's a film camera. And he said, you should not be doing this in public. And he oh, got very goodness. annoyed. 
But yeah, I think people are touchy about it. Yeah. And I was really yeah. surprised about that. What was it like over there? I mean, I we talked about this in one episode. I fear people. I tend to be afraid of most people. And yet I have found the times when I see something that I want to photograph, people are completely open to it because I think everyone here wants mm. to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> so, New York gets the same way. New York gets the same way. Everyone, true? Everyone's sort of shooting anyway. I mean, you see... You know, last time I was in New York for Fashion Week, there was, you know, I ran into 10 film photographers on the street. Like, they're just all yeah. over. I just, uh, I get scared. I get scared and nervous. Then I worry about people getting upset. And I also, you know, I get really worried about like, well, how would I react if I were being photographed? And I would immediately be kind of guarded. And of course, that's not the, that's not what you want in a photograph. So I do all this mental math that actually, if I just took the picture, it would be just fine. Be fine. Yeah. You need a cameraman. You need a cameraman to follow you. Then you, you'd feel less awkward. Right, exactly. When you're by yourself, there's something a little bit kind of dodgy. Right. About Let it. me ask about that since you brought it up. Have you always enjoyed being on camera? I mean, is this something that goes back to your youth performing for video cameras? Yeah. yeah well, when I watch back old videos of me as a kid, as like a four-year-old, yeah, I did like being in front of the camera. <laughs> but... But then it got to a point where I was really introverted in school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started taking drama, and, then I, and that was when I started. I, I liked being in uh, comedy theater plays, and I thought, yeah, this is cool. I, I like the, the reception I get from, from a crowd. Um, it was a real buzz. Well, yeah. And, then I've, and I thought, yeah, I want to do this in university, in college. And then, uh, uh, well, it wasn't really the Asian thing to do, so... Uh, this was uh, studying film and media <laughs> right. was kind of like the compromise. Were you gently steered toward film and media? They went, oh, here's something for Asians. Look over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The compromise for Asians. Right. Right oh, my here. God. That's so. Yeah, it's like, you know, I was told here's something for Jewish boys who are awkward. Right. Computers. <laughs> and I was steered in that direction. Yeah. It's, 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 <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I kind of, um, there were a few things I wanted to study. I, I wanted to study law as well, because I thought, oh, that looks cool. Um, but then then it's like five years of, of yeah. studying. I thought, no way, I'm not doing that. Right. Um, so film media, I thought, that'll be easy. And um, it's just like watching old black and white films <laughs> exactly. every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and talking about themes, what, what films mean. Right, I uh, loved that. Yeah. I love penises that. and things like that. Oh you yeah, know. I think it's got to be either linked to violence or penises. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. All right. I want to ask you just one question about <laughs> YouTube, of the producing things for YouTube, because it's something that I have never done, and so I'm curious about your shooting ratio. Like, do you shoot several takes of things to get one that you like, or is it pretty loose and you get pretty close to one to one? How does it work exactly? I'm just curious. Uh, back in the days it was just one take and that's it um because and i remember uh chase jarvis came on the show and he was like you just do one take <laughs> and like, yeah yeah one take um i guess we won the authenticity uh yeah. at, at least that that's what i tried to tell her tell, tell tell myself anyway um but I yeah I tried to do a couple of takes sometimes or sometimes I can I I feel it I think I think ah oh, that was enough energy right uh, yeah. let me let me do that again right um, or I could have done that a bit better or emphasized a point a bit better um, but yeah a lot of the times sometimes there's not enough time so we just do one take just go with it I do one thing I love about your videos is they feel very loose very off the cuff very unstyled yeah I think you have a naturally yeah. sort of like effusive, funny, deadpan manner that plays very man on the streetish, and I like that a lot. Mm. It doesn't seem performed, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's one thing people really respond to about your work. That and your incredible fake British accent, which right. is incredible. Oh, I mean, uh, oh, oh yes, <laughs> I I talk like this. <laughs> you know, and when I was when I was working as a waiter in in in, in college, people came came up to me and said, and they were like. Wow, you speak really good English. <laughs> I don't, I don't know whether to say thank you or what. You know. Oh no! Um, 
It's, I mean, this is not quite the same thing, but I grew up in Georgia, okay? I grew up among yeah. people who talk like this, and they have, they talk with this sort of an accent. And people always think I'm from New York City, and they think that I'm doing a bit. Like I'm pretending <laughs> to be from New York. And it's like, no, I right. just have spent enough time with New Yorkers. This is how I talk now. Right. So yeah. anyway. I, I was going to say, I mean, when, it, when in the place where I was born, it's sort of like a country accent. And I, I kind of went along with that in the school because I wanted to be like everybody else. But, um, you know, everybody else in school was not Asian. Uh, so that's what, you know, I, I wanted to fit in. And then I, I went with that accent at first because I thought, I want to be cool. And then it got to a point where I thought, that is so not cool. And then I, I, I purposely spoke a bit more posh. Yeah. Um, it suits it, you. It's, it's funny. I, I wondered funny. if you had gone to like, you know, Oxford or Cambridge because it is such a... It's a, it's presentational in this way that I find really funny. I would need to be smart to get into those, those uh, <laughs> universities. I don't have the qualification. I don't have the um, a brain power. Right. To get in there. Same. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. I want to close out by asking you a couple of questions that have of late been controversial on our podcast, and I just want to get your response to this. Okay. You ready? Okay. Next strap. Wrist strap or no strap? <laughs> Strapless. Yes! What? <laughs> what? Yeah. What? I love it. I Why? love it. <laughs> Don't you find, like, okay, wrist strap, it's, it feels like it's going to snap your wrist off. That's true. Neck strap, it's it's like oh it's it's scraping your neck and and then when when you when you don't have it when when you don't have it around your neck, it's probably going to cause more damage. Like it's going to catch something and then it'll it'll drop. Well, I think you know. that's where we tell Kai about my horrible accident. So, oh no. So it's funny now that I'm starting to turn. As soon as he started saying, and then I went, oh yeah, I had a disaster. So I had a um, I always have an M6 on me on set. So whenever we're shooting. So mm. uh, we were shooting the show and I had just given a note to an actor. I went back to the director's chair and I was in the middle of changing a lens. I had just gotten a new lens, a mm. 35 F2 Subicron. And I put the camera out and I get up from the chair and strap gets caught on the chair and the lens goes tumbling, tumbling in the mm. air. And the entire oh. camera crew has turned and their all mouths are dropped open <laughs> going, oh my God. And it was like slow motion goes like, this, and all you hear is dink. It lands on the back element. Okay. Oh, I hate this story. It, it, bends, it bends the rim. It bends. It shatters the inside of the, of the glass. Oh no. And when I brought it in and when sent it in, they said, this will never happen to you again. There's absolutely no effect to the picture-taking area of that lens. And they went through every test. And then I also brought it to the guys, you know, the B&H team. I brought it to, and they all tested it. And they said, yeah, there's, this is the same lens. It is, and, and like, like I said, never, it will never happen again. This will never, you're never going to be able to drop a camera. Yeah. <laughs> I could not have that lens in my house. It does not matter to me. If the work's great, he doesn't want anything damaged. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't want anything damaged. Am I okay? All right, next question <laughs> camera bags. Now, you review bags on your show. I saw a very nice review you did of a Billingham bag within the last couple mm. of weeks. Do you use a camera bag? Do you go out with a camera bag over your shoulder when you're shooting? Yeah, I do. Yes, all right. It's, uh, it's, it's one useful. for team Gabe, not one always. For team Gabe. Yeah, not always because it's, it's a you know, if you're gonna be shooting. Your camera's going right. to be out. I don't want to protect it. I don't need to. And usually I don't need too many lenses. Uh, and if you're like a man, you just put it in your pocket. Right. Yeah. Put your lens in the pocket. But preferably, I want to be carrying as little as possible. And if that means not taking care of a bag, then... So now, do you it. have a number but of bags where it makes it difficult to decide? I have too many. Yeah. I've yeah. A, a Kai's got to do the bag show with for, me. For every situation. You have no idea. You have no idea what you just yeah. stepped into. Gabe has... <laughs> Uh, uh, an entire room of his house filled with bags. <laughs> yes. It's disaster. It's uh, yeah. I've got uh, okay. Too many bags. All right. Yeah, we may we may do a follow up with you on this kind. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> depth of field preview. 
Do you use depth of field preview on an SLR? The depth of field preview button. Um, only, only if I get, only to use it as like, um, you know, those fidget oh, spinners. Yeah. That's my oh, fidget yeah. spinner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You start just, clicking. Just to have something to play just, with. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff, just to make that funny sound. Jeff, no one you know, uses it. No one uses I can't, it. No one cares. I can't. No I know. one cares. No I, one uses it. We learned this recently. I went on. I I ride hard for depth of field preview, and we discovered <laughs> nobody likes it. Okay, that's fine. When shooting, do you keep the other eye open? Depends on the camera. For oh. for rangefinders, if shooting about fifty, then yes. If it's a DSL, if it's a a, a, a reflex camera, if it's a SLR, right. and you know you're u- using a wide angle, it's a bit odd when you're kind of looking at something that's so wide, and then your other eyes is normal. Mm. I'd say that's split down the middle, Jeff. I hate to tell you. It is split I know down you're the so middle. excited that. All right. He doesn't I have one more eye. tasty question well, for Kai, but before we, before I come with that question, Gabe, <laughs> anything from you before I come with my re- this really important question? Okay, so when you're sh- when you're shooting the show, <laughs> and you get a piece of equipment that you really can't stand, do you love mm. that in a way that you can like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the most fun without destroying it, but at least you'll be have you know more things, more comedy to sort of extract from that piece of equipment you you know i wish there was more of that because i enjoy tearing something apart there was one time i I reviewed this uh, camera from from china and it was just so bad and i literally i gave it away at a a photo show i thought this is rubbish i I don't even want it and i get i gave it away to the next person that i saw good um but you know the cameras these days are just get they're all the same. They all do a really yeah, good job. That's true. There's nothing really to to say that's bad about it. I mean, a few years back, I could, I could. There's lots yeah. of bad things to say about cameras, but um, yeah, I mean, main, mainly Pentax. <laughs> I can give Pentax some grief um, because they're just. I, I don't know what they're doing. It's, yeah, it's it's just it's a bit sad because I like yeah. Pentax, but um, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> yeah. Same with Olympus. Yeah. Oh my God, they used to be so great. We just did an all Olympus show. They yeah. used to be so great. They were the most exciting yeah, camera brand. Oh my yeah. God. But yeah, we I don't well, we gotta say the jury is out about on what Olympus is going to be next. That's uh, true. The, mm. Kai, the only digital camera that I own is an Olympus Pen F digital. It's the oh the original. The original. The OG. Yes. I, I love it. But I yeah. love it because it's pretty. <laughs> that I mean, yeah, because you know it's pretty. It's pretty. It's not doesn't yeah. feel plasticky. It's got that. Lo- I have the chrome version. Yes. I shelled out for the chrome one because I love how it looks yeah. so much. I've I've got I've got one. It's, it's still in the box. I it's <laughs> you know it's no use. It's no use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I've got other digital cameras, but it looks it looks great, and I think it's um a great thing to have. I will that, tell you, when- <laughs> you reviewed the Leica SL two. I think several months yes. ago, I yeah. we went to a beers and cameras meetup uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, one of our friends had that camera, and I was handling it. That could be my next digital camera. Mm, I think it good. might be Gabe's next digital camera yeah, too. It's pretty. I, I think it's amazing what Leica could do. They, it's essentially, it's a, a Panasonic with a nice case. Right. <laughs> I still yes. want it. I know. You're yes. totally right. It's a Panasonic with a really yeah. nice case, but you still want it. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally. Just don't tell yourself that. Yes. All right. Shall I come with my final yes, question? This is, this is very important. important. Come yeah. at me. Yeah, I'm very ready important. for you. I mean, this is very important. Oh. Would you pay $3,600 for a Nikon FM2N Year of the Dog commemorative <laughs> camera? Are you just selling me selling me something? Oh, no, I yeah. want this camera, and no one understands why I want this. Do you, are you familiar with the camera that I'm speaking of? I, I'm not, no. It's, 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 it has a dog okay. on it. Like That's weird. all. Kai, now you're familiar you know, with it. Okay. <laughs> you, you know pretty much everything you need to know, except I just want to tell you about this. And Kai, you'll probably look this up after we get off, okay? But, mm. but it is an FM2N with a little tiny picture of a dog on the front <laughs> that's it were you born in the year of the dog no i just think it's There's adorable no sentimental value whatsoever he just wants I the just, dog are you a dog lover 
No. Do you have his own? No, he doesn't no. even have a dog. I don't know. No, but it's got a <laughs> it, it's got a dog on it. Oh, that's ridiculous. No. Would you I'm just saying if a camera had a dog on it, would it make you more likely to buy that camera? <laughs> no. So no. good. If if I was born in the year of the dog. Okay. If I love dogs <laughs> and someone gave and it my to name you. was right. dog. Your name was dog. <laughs> that would be it. Yeah. Then maybe, yeah. okay. maybe I might think about it. But you could just you just get an FM, a regular FM two, yeah, and um, you know go to engraved. No, get it engraved. Look, That's what I say. Get it just engrave okay, a dog. No, wait, wait a minute. I'm going to show you a picture of it. Wait, it would be cheaper mm. to hire okay, an see, artist. See, see how it. it has. Do you see the dog? Can't, Where's the, you dog? Can't really see the dog? It's right next to FM. Oh, there you go. Wait, Can, see that? Oh, it's a T. <laughs> yeah, T. Sorry, yes, it's titanium. See the little dog? Oh. Come on. No. <laughs> I really tried. Okay. That's great. I accept it. Yeah. I accept it. I'm chill. I'm I that's all. I'm look, so I, my favorite camera is an Alpa eleven SI. So you know I am oh, yes. mentally deranged. Nice. Yeah. I mean you oh, know nice. that's yeah. that's a deeply broken person <laughs> who loves that camera. So the fact that I am Dying to get a camera with a little cartoon dog on it just tells you exactly just what a strange human I am. Kai, this has been a delightful time with you. So we much fun. really, really appreciate you taking the time. It is what time is it? You're in Her Majesty's United Kingdom, and it's like one forty in the morning. There. <laughs> I am. Yes. Yeah. It's all right. I've, I'm fully energized. All right. Well, once again, the book is Old School Photography. The author is Kai Wong. Follow him on YouTube. He's magnificently entertaining. He is one of my comedic influences. And uh, thanks again to Kai for the time tonight. We really appreciate it. No problem at all. Wait, what is the check in the post? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It's there. Just <laughs> the dog again. camera. I hate to tell you oh, this. Okay. The dog camera okay. is in the post. It's not going to be that one. It's, the dog is going to be printed somewhere else. <laughs> and instead of dog, it's going to be a, a, a penis, isn't it? Uh, scraped into the Listen, the Nikon the FM2T year of the penis camera. That's a whole other yes. show. That's right. Now we're talking. Yes. Yes. The other thing we don't have is music coming out of an interview. So we're back. <laughs> and I'm still thanks humming. Thanks again to Kai mm-hmm. for the time. Uh, we are threatening to have a bag show. Where we oh, get it's gonna Kai happen. and it's- aid from the mothership and Gabe. And all I do is sit back and gape at these gentlemen because why in the world do you need a camera bag? Exactly. But thanks again to Kai for coming on. He was an absolute joy and hilarious as hell. And also is responsible for the first utterance of the word penis on our podcast. That's thanks, true. Kai. That's true. Thank you. Thank you, our friend. All right. I want to throw it to you for just as we wrap up. Any end of your thoughts. This is going to be maybe our last episode in calendar year 2021. Any thoughts on the journey of the last year? Any thoughts on the podcast? Anything you want to share? It has been the greatest thing ever. I have to tell you that doing this podcast in a time like the, besides the pandemic and, you know, all the work insanity on, on, it's been the best escape ever. I really feel like it's kind of just, it's a place we can go, we can do our thing, we can geek out about cameras, and and thankfully, people are listening and enjoying it, which is an amazing feeling. It's absolutely great. So I'm very thankful. That is my year-end thought of this podcast that has just helped everything in my life. I, I cannot improve upon what you just said. Completely agree. Completely agree. It's been a joy. And I once again thank our listeners for going on this ride. I also want to say it's been very exciting to watch the other two podcasts that have sprung up in the last like month or so, Camerosity and Ephemeral Machine, that cover the same part of the waterfront that we do, but are so different, so interesting. Camerosity gets way in the weeds on technical stuff in ways I find completely exhilarating. Michael Kaplan, such a thoughtful interviewer, just interesting. I don't know. I love it. I love that actually it feels like the population of people who are talking about these things is increasing. So we're happy about that as well. They are not competitors. Right. They are all people who are part of the chorus, and I love that. Okay. One other thing coming up. We are going to have the whole I Dream of Cameras team together this weekend. My brother Keith is coming to visit 
and all four of us are going to be in one place at one time. So look for our class photo. Oh, we Instagram. are taking a class photo. A co- actually, a corporate photo is what's going to happen. It's a corporate photo. <laughs> yes. And I think you got to make sure, Gabe, that you bring your OM1. Yes. And that you get Fred to bring his OM1. Yes. So we can get a shot of like the four of us like holding up our OM1s as if they're power bars or something. OM1 party. It's going to happen. I'm so excited. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. And apropos of that, guys, it is still the Christmas season, even though Hanukkah is in the rearview mirror. <laughs> Go to idreamofcameras.com. Check out our sexy merch. Oh, yes. Last-minute gifts for your photographer friends. They definitely are going to want one of the Dream Team t-shirts or mugs. Definitely. They're so damn good. Definitely. So look for those. What else can we say? Oh, my gosh. It's the winter solstice. Okay? Shortest day you. of the year. I'm okay? telling you. The days are going to get longer. That means more light. That means more pictures, guys. Oh, and also, if you're keeping track of the uh, the birthday gift giving, I have just given Fred Corey his birthday gift <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> so next in line is Jeff oh, Greenstein. What? What? So, uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. So oh. it's going to be, it'll be at some point. <laughs> I'm very excited. There Listen, be some, I don't uh, mind it. I love it. <laughs> I love when a birthday lasts as long as possible. Fantastic. <laughs> love it. All right. Take us out of here, Sax. Thank you, everyone. It's been an amazing year. We really appreciate it. We will be back no matter what. We are both working on projects, and no matter what's happening with them, we will always be here because it'll be our escape. But uh, we couldn't do it without you. So thank you so much for everything. Yes. Find Gabe on the Instagram, Gabe Sax. Me, S. Jeff Greenstein. The show, I Dream of Cameras. Hey, follow I Dream of Cameras on Twitter. We don't really have a big presence there, but we're trying to bulk it up. We are very close to 1,000 followers on Instagram, which is remarkable. Yes. Right? Considering how niche we are. So get in there, join the fun, leave us a review on iTunes. Also got to thank Fred and Keith. We're seeing them this weekend, but the sound of the show and the look of the show belong to those two gentlemen. Thank you again to them. Love them. And last word from you, man. Please write your letters once again to Jeff Greenstein because you have all proven the fact that no one cares about the field preview or keeping your eyes open. So everyone close their eyes and take a lot of blank pictures. It's totally fine. Happy New Year. 